Urban Rivers is spearheading efforts in the construction of the Wild Mile, a mile-long floating eco-park in the North Branch of the Chicago River. For more information, visit our website at www.urbanriv.org. Welcome back to the Urban Rivers Podcast, everyone. This episode's going to be a little different than what we're normally working on. We've decided that we kind of wanted to give you a monthly update on the work that we're doing, a little break from what we typically do on our podcasts, and who better to tell us what Urban Rivers is currently doing and how the Wild Mile is looking than one of Urban Rivers co-founders, Nick Wesley. Nick, thank you so much for joining us. We'll just get right into it. Yeah, let's <laughs> um, do it. While this is an, more of an update episode, we'd love for people to get to know the thoughts and the drive behind Urban Rivers. So can you kind of detail your beginnings with Urban Rivers and how you all came up with this project and your role and what you're clearly so passionate about? Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, so, you know, really, I mean, early on, I was looking at different ways to farm food. That was really what started, I guess, this journey. So um, I was really passionate about aeroponics and aquaponics. And during, um, when I was in college, I built a aquaponics unit for um, a farm in uh, rural Pennsylvania. And when I was doing that, one of the things um, you do with aquaponics is you fill it up with water and then you add fish and you do the cycling thing, um, which basically makes bacteria that turns nitrates into nitrites or vice versa. I can't remember these days, but uh, basically makes it so that the um, the fish waste is edible for plants. And you know, in doing that, you have to fill up a lot of water. So we had uh, I don't know, I think it was like a thousand gallons of water we had to fill up, and the hose we had didn't reach the tap. And so instead, we there was a river that ran um, right next to the greenhouse. And so um, basically ran a pump from the river into the, um, into the garden unit, um, the, the fish tank, basically. And, you know, due to a couple other things, we didn't have the fish yet. Uh, so it was just river water. And we had all the plants, though. So we started with just some aeration, um, some air bubblers and um, river water grew basil and a few other herbs and really saw right away that they were doing great, which was surprising. And one of the things that I think might have contributed to that is a lot of the agricultural runoff from the area went into that stream and that stream then had a lot of fertilizer already in it, which was really useful for the plants. So, um, you know, the thought process was, okay, well, could you take something like a heavily nutrified river and use that as a way to grow food. Um, and that was what kind of began the journey in the Chicago River. But, you know, right away, if you imagine eating food out of the Chicago River, you have a certain type of opinion about it. Oh, yeah. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> which, you know, if you're, you're keen on living a long and healthy life, is I'm not going to do that. Of course, we crazy. And so for trying to do that in the Chicago River, that really shut that down right away. But the idea of using plants that could um, clean up the water um, was still kind of stuck stuck with me. And um, eventually, so we, 
started doing this. So me and Zach D'Amato, um, one of the other co-founders, tried to do, um, tried to do this as like a for-profit business. We're like, okay, we can make these units that uh, cities would use to clean up the river. And we thought, yeah, of course, everyone wants to clean up the river. And uh, very quickly we found out nobody wants this. No one's going to pay for it. <laughs> um, but, you know, we at that point we we're like, well, it we knew kind of how to do it, like how to get some of these things in. And it didn't seem that hard. It just seems like nobody had really put the time into doing it. Um, so we were like, well, can we do this as a nonprofit? Can we make it so people just who want to see a river kind of healthier would help contribute and, and do this? And um, that was what got us to on the, on the road. Um, in the meantime, then, parallel, um, Josh Yellen, one of the other, the third co-founder, was working on a project uh, using floating wetlands to figure out how it increased habitat, so fish habitat specifically. So he was um, putting in the, like a five by 10 foot raft and testing to see if fish were underneath raft versus underneath a dock or uh, more open water. And, um, you know, he, that we met him just trying to figure out other people who were doing similar things on figuring out how this would increase the health of a river. And very quickly realized uh, all of our minds were in the same place and we should really try to try to get this thing going. And then several years later, uh, I end up having a fantastic conversation with Brett Pearson about this. Hey, there we go. And now, so that's kind of how you got into it. So I guess the new, the new year is still underway, even though we're already a month in. And what what are your, I guess, goals or aspirations for Urban Rivers as an organization and the Wild Mile this year? I know you mentioned how we're having the the big plans for the Wild Mile this year, the installation of the floating walkway. Do you have any personal goals for Urban Rivers? Yeah, so I really am excited because this year will be the first year where we actually have a walkway flanked with these gardens. So it'll be a real new kind of experience for everybody to how how they'll be able to be in this, uh, experience the Wild Mile, basically, Um, which I think will really show some of the possibilities on how this can develop. Um, so that's, that's the, the near term, that's the most exciting thing right now for me is, is getting that, that done and getting that done in a way which is really inspiring and, and, and useful to people uh, for seeing the river in a different way. On a broader context, uh, I'm really excited to see this be expanded out and see both ourselves and other groups try projects like this in other rivers. So I think that this is a really unique uh, way to, uh, or uh, rather a really effective way to create habitat, to improve water quality, to improve quality of life uh, within a city. And I'm excited to see others take these ideas and use them in other places. So we know of projects like uh, the Charles River in Boston, where they're added, they added uh, a floating island in the middle, and you know it's their first one this year, they, or last year actually, twenty twenty is when they put it in, um, and it's it's exciting to see how that will develop in in their location. You know, you have other groups like Flusspot in in Germany who's trying to build a pool that is filtered by plants before um, it creates this this kind of swimming 
swimming hole um, in the middle of uh, Berlin. So projects like that, um, seeing how they adapt and what they do and uh, kind of, you know, feeding off of this, this, this approach on how do you create these systems. So I'm, I'm extraordinarily excited to see how this fits into that puzzle and what things others could learn from us and what things we can learn from some of these new projects that are coming out and, and adapt and bring the best to Chicago. So it is the winter season, as evidenced by the large dumping of snow Chicago has gotten recently. And most people might think that, oh, it's the winter season. Maybe they take time off and aren't really doing much on the river or with the organization, hibernating per se. But you and I both know that's not the case. So can you tell us kind of what the winter season typically looks like for urban rivers and what are kind of the bigger projects we're working on? Yeah, so it's a lot less glamorous than the summer season, a lot less on the, you know, field work and things like that. So, Mm -hmm. you know, mostly we're getting ready for the summer to happen again. So a few of those things are um, catching up on some of the um, research. So we have a lot of these macro invertebrates we're trying to identify, um, doing things such as um, mussel hunting, which is fantastic. So we have this partnership with Miller Coors where we're trying to reintroduce or or, uh, not reintroduce, but um, increase the populations of some of these native species that mussel species that uh, used to be much more prevalent in the river. So um, one of the few outdoor activities we get to do is mussel hunting. And then, you know, in addition to all that, we, uh, um, you know, just planning for the next year and what, what what's coming up. So we have a walkway that we're working on putting in. So a lot of that is, you know, working with our suppliers to get uh, some of these materials ready for May, uh, working with our um, plant suppliers to get, you know, plants delivered, the right types of plants and in the right quantities, and uh, a few last-minute design pieces, too, to make sure that it's uh, kind of a friendly and welcoming place. Now, you mentioned muscle hunting, which I can't imagine what all that entails. Can you kind of go in what exactly that entails? I mean, are you standing in freezing cold water and picking mussels with your hands or what all do you have to do to get these mussels? Luckily, it is slightly above freezing most of the time. So, you know, it's not, it's actually really soothing, surprisingly. So basically you get in waders and we go out in groups of about six or so. um, And we go through um, the Chicago River uh, at different points and try to recover um, gravid female mussels, which are pregnant muscles. And basically, you walk around, you look in the water, you have uh, some viewfinders, which are more or less a bucket with a window on it that you can look underwater and kind of see what's down there. And you look for these muscles, which, you know, they're about the size of, um, um, you know, close to the size of a baseball in in an oval, more oval shape. And stuck just a little bit out of the water so they're normally half submerged and you try to find them and uh pick them out and so after um a couple i don't know maybe like five or six times going out we finally found the first one which is fantastic awesome yeah i know actually um, phil for credit where credit's due phil nicodemus uh was the one who found it so that's off to him drops to phil (laughs) we'll go to him for all future muscle harvesting yes uh, for those that want to see a video of that, I know that's up on our Instagram page and Facebook. You can find us at Urban Riv. 
urban and then RIV. Uh, so we know there's stuff going on during the winter season. And what can someone do if they want to get involved during the winter season? I know we rely heavily on volunteers in the summer. If those people want to continue into the winter season, what are some volunteer opportunities that we have right now? Yeah, so we have a few things going on, and some are winding down and others are winding up. So we did um, the muscle hunting, which will still be going on through the month of February. So if you're interested in getting out in the cold and uh, wading through the river, that's a kind of a fun opportunity. And we're doing these, um, in addition, we're doing macroinvertebrate studies. So that's uh, basically being on a uh, microscope and looking at some of these samples that we've taken throughout the years dating back from to 2016 and seeing just figuring out what the bugs are that are inside of that um and so that's also winding down we've gone through a lot of the samples so uh which is great um but we're also doing um some bird surveys so basically if you are an early riser especially early risers needed um you go out once a week or once uh, once or twice a week it's up to you at the same time in the same places and you just stand there and you look and you try to identify what birds are coming through and you count how many so if you see you know canadian geese or you see mallards or um you know bufflehead or something else you basically look at that write it down and um we use that to compare kind of how what birds are here when and in what quantities so over time we'll start to get a good picture on what to expect and when something new happens we'll be able to 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 see that as well so um, and if you're not very um if you're new with bird identification it's also a good way to start to do that so you know you can go out and really try to try to figure out how to do it try to kind of cut your teeth in it and see if you enjoy it yeah, your first step towards becoming an amateur ornithologist. You know? Exactly, yeah. Maybe someday someone can get up to Edward's level. <laughs> but it, You know, you need a lot to be a bird nerd. So, Yeah. So, Nick, in late December of 2020, we had this membership drive, and the drive is no longer really going, but you can still become a member of Urban Rivers. Can you kind of go over that process, what that entails, and what your membership is going towards supporting? Oh, yeah. Well, one of the things that, you know, we really have been over the years of kind of developing our ranger program and other things, we really have been trying to spot a sustainable way to fund these programs. So, you know, a lot of the things we do um, cost a certain amount of money to actually get implemented. And when we want to do more things, you know, we want to, you know, obviously there's uh, resource constraints with that. So becoming a member is a good way to support something on a regular basis and really kind of pledge, I guess, the, uh, you know, your support for, for this type of project. So we have a, on urbanriv.org slash membership or also on the homepage. Um, you can join in and we have some cool, cool gifts as well. Um, you know, you can get a nice uh, mask, an Urban Rivers mask, as well as a t-shirt and a few other things. Um, and it really is a good way to kind of make a commitment to the river and make a commitment towards supporting some of these volunteers who are going out and, and doing these projects. So, um, yeah, if you're interested, urbanrib.org. That's right. That's going to do it for this episode of the Urban Rivers Podcast. A huge thank you to Nick for giving us a laugh and providing us insights on both what's going on with the Wild Mile and Urban Rivers and how 
you listeners can get involved. Again, if you'd like to get involved either through volunteering or just want to know what we're doing, what we're about, visit our website at www.urbanriv.org. Follow us on Instagram. Give us a like on Facebook, all that fun stuff. And stay tuned. This March, we have an amazing episode with Fawn Pochel from the American Indian Center. Phil and I talked to Fawn about the services that AIC provides, the history of the organization, the history of Native Americans in the Chicagoland area, and a whole bunch more. Also, a big thanks to Charlie Otto for our intro and outro song. If you like what you hear, feel free to check them out at charlieotto.com. We'll see you next time. Are you going to ask me my thoughts on uh, GameStop? What are your thoughts on GameStop? (laughs) 